Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Gia Marron, and she is Executive Vice President at Women Grow. And we're going to find out a little bit more about her and about the organization. And I'm really excited about this. I'm excited to talk about cannabis. I'm excited to talk about diversity and talk about what the community is around the cannabis space. Gia, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me on today. I really, really appreciate it. And it's finally great to hear your voice. We've exchanged messages for yeah. a while. It's really great to connect with you. Yeah, no, G and I have been been uh, stalking each other over the last couple of months, trying to get her on the program. And I really appreciate your time on here. Why don't we start with a little bit about you? So tell us about your background. Like I, I know you kind of came out of the more kind of corporate space. I'd love to hear about that. And then how you got into cannabis. What was the story? Sure. So I've had, I guess I'd say a diverse career. I started out in corporate entertainment in the television industry in an international distribution and production company. So I worked on shows like, I mean, this is really going back to the 90s, um, like Baywatch. Like, I don't know how many people <laughs> Baywatch. David Hasselhoff going down the exactly, beach, yes. Exactly. David Hasselhoff and Pam Anderson and Nicole Eckhart. So I worked with the production and distribution of shows like that overseas. So I worked with uh, American countries, Asian countries, and Canada. So, you know, it, it was really interesting to get that kind of global perspective as I started out in my career. And I eventually became the director of promotions and publicity, uh, again, working with uh evening shows, game shows. I worked on award shows. So it was really fun. It was a natural progression. And I thought that I would um, remain in entertainment. And just through some downsizing, I actually found myself on Wall Street, which I would have never <laughs> thought. Yeah. 
I've always been more of a uh, drawn to the entertainment space and yeah. and PR within within that industry. And in 96, I landed on Wall Street at Goldman Sachs, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to be here for a little while. This is, this is not going to be anything long term, because uh, I just didn't have that interest. But what I quickly realized is that PR, promotions, publicity, it's just a different industry, but it's the same practices, right? We're putting out press releases, you're advising clients. And I probably had the best education for 15 years on Wall Street. I experienced pretty much everything yeah. in connection through one company. Uh, because when I joined Goldman Sachs, it was a private company in yeah. 96. They went public in 96. So I actually went through that process with them. And then much later on, they kind of become like this commercial bank. And then I experienced the financial crisis with yeah. them. So it was like so much education that no classroom could have taught me what I learned on Wall Street. And, uh, and I not only worked on the revenue generating side, but I really got to understand how corporations run. Yeah. And I think oftentimes when people think of investment banking, they only think of the banking side and not recognizing that there's so much more to these businesses. So I worked a lot on the diversity and inclusion uh, group. Yeah. Uh, I worked with uh, the recruiting departments at Goldman, uh, their overall corporate services. So I, I got to understand what global security meant. I had no idea. Like So when I say full-on education, it's it was incredible. So yeah. for me, I was able to take a lot of that experience with me and bring it along the way. And, and also, of course, learn a lot about the markets. Yeah, it sounds like good training, good training for how businesses run, how markets run, how industries run. Absolutely. So how did cannabis come up? So you're you're Wall Street, you're working for Goldman Sachs. How do we get to where you are today? <laughs> fill in, yeah. fill in the, the steps. That part is interesting. So again, being affected by another downsize. I um, So in 2011, uh, there was another downsize happening across the street. And believe it or not, I was actually the spokesperson, like really commenting on what was happening. And I was actually affected by it. It wasn't anything personal. It's, yeah. hey, you know, you guys have been, you know, whomever that kind of started around that same time, I kind of noticed we'd all received our, you know, layoff yeah. information. So that's when I thought about, you know, what would I like to do next? I, I'm a, I've been a working mom my entire career yeah. and I'd never been home like ever. <laughs> I went back to work when my daughter was five weeks old wow. and I had taken vacation anything longer than a week. Yeah. And that pretty much that 20 something year span. So it was my first time saying, well, let me stay home for a little while instead of jumping right back in yeah. to the industry. And what I had been noodling with prior to the layoff was really starting my own consulting firm. I was just reaching that point of I've had a lot of experience and the beauty of working within financial services is I got to work on the tech side. Yeah, sure. I got to work with the philanthropic area private equity, you name it. Like I really had vast, a wide exposure. So I thought, well, what would I do next? And so being home my daughter's senior year of high school, which crazy enough, I'd always said if I had to be home, I'd want to be home her last year of school yeah. just to help her through that college process. Yeah. And voila, it happened. Power of the universe. So yeah. <laughs> manifestation. I, totally. Yeah. And, and when even knowing that's what I did, but it, it, it's exactly what I did. Yeah, yeah. And then it was, so 
I was laid off September 2011. Okay. And after being home for quite some time, I decided I wanted to launch my own PR firm. And there was a lot of clients and, and former colleagues that I had worked with at Goldman that said, hey, you know, what are you doing? Like, we, we'd love to, like, work with you in some capacity. And that's where the seed was sort of planted. Like, well, why not now if not any other time? Like, you know, this doesn't work out, but I can always go back to corporate. But why not give this a chance? Yep. And so April 2012, I launched GVM Communications. And of course, you know, reconnecting with many of the financial companies I was working yeah. with, also a lot of the nonprofits. Uh, what was wonderful is that, you know, these big corporations have strong relationships with many nonprofits across the world. And what was wonderful is I, Goldman Sachs also had a program called 10,000 Women and 10,000 Small Businesses. Yep. And what I learned through that is that what we did on a grand scale for a big corporation, these small companies really needed our advice and um, our services. So I started, that's when I realized, oh, let me start connecting with some of these entrepreneurs and small businesses and offer my services. And that was really the natural progression of becoming my own right, yeah. quote unquote, entrepreneur in business. And it was during the time of doing some work for colleagues I'm considering you know what outlets to pitch them to what sorts of business direction could some of them go because my business focus on public relations branding and business development as well as just some coaching like yep. yourself yep. so in doing the research I started noticing on CNBC around 2012 the documentaries on the marijuana industry. And that completely paused me because I'm like, why is CBC <laughs> talking about weed? Like yeah. that was my national reaction. Like, why are they talking about weed? And and they're not just, it's not just one show. It's like a series of shows. Yeah. And I just got sucked in yeah. immediately. And then that was also a flag for me to say, if they're re, I guess oh, that's where my television experience comes in because uh. I and how much production cost. Yeah. And if it was one episode, I said, oh, they're just, you know, toying yeah, with it. Yeah. A series of episodes means that there's a commitment. Those serious dollars, that's serious, like, you know, really just pitching to the higher ups to get the sign off. So that for me, plus the Wall Street experience told me, okay, this is something I need to pay attention to the forecast. Yeah. If they're talking about it, then I noticed Bloomberg started talking about it. And I said, oh, financial markets talk about it. I need to pay attention what's happening. Uh, and still not really understanding the lay of the land, but knew that if this was next, I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. And uh, and so everything was focused on Colorado. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I, I'm in New York. Am I going to have to move to Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm in New York. I have never owned a single living plant. Am I going to, like, go and try and open up? <laughs> the classic reaction. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to become a grower. <laughs> so Right. Let me go grow something. Let me go like open up a dispensary. And I've never, ever, I start working at the age of 13. And what's interesting is I've always worked in an office. Yeah. I never had a job at a McDonald's or any sort of retail space. Yeah. So I'm thinking I would be awful. <laughs> I have no idea how to do this. And I mean, you know, of course that's the natural reaction, but yeah. what I knew was that 
if the financial markets, as I said, were paying attention, I needed to pay attention yeah. to it. Smart. And the more that I started talking to people, they really thought it was a fad. And to me, something said, no, this is more than that. And I know that you recently spoke with Jane West, yeah. uh, the founder of Women Grow. Yeah. And again, back to the universe sort of aligning and leading us. So it was after watching CNBC that I saw a profile on Jane West in a magazine that I was pitching for a client uh-huh. who eventually ended up on the cover of that magazine. But in the profile on Jane, I read it from cover to cover because I I remembered seeing her in the 2020 special when they first started talking about cannabis. And I said, that's that lady. And so I had to find out everything about her. And that's what led me to Women Grow. That's what led me into the cannabis industry because I said, oh, my God. Now there are women in the space yeah. because everything in the documentary really focused on men's businesses. And when I saw Jane, I was like, oh, there's a place for me. I like the story. And honestly, it's I think you know every story is unique, but I think there's the main common theme and a lot of the people that I speak to, which is they're, they're in another industry and they have an expertise, they have a skill, they have a capability that they see an opportunity to apply to the cannabis space. And so they make the move, they make the pivot. And there's always some adjustment. There's always some kind of strategy strategy and how they're going to do it. But I think I've seen a lot of people be successful in the cannabis space, not by becoming growers or, you know, becoming dispensaries or extractors or, you know, actually handling the plant, but taking what they do extremely well and just applying it to the needs of the cannabis industry. So this idea of taking PR, taking communication, community development and applying it to cannabis, because cannabis is an industry and needs all these things. Uh, And I think a lot of people don't kind of appreciate that or realize it when they first come into it. But that is really where the big kind of opportunities, new places for innovation and business growth are. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's smart. I think, you know, good move, good move for you in terms of getting into this. Thank you. And honestly, I would say had I, it was after my first Women Grow meeting that I attended in 2000, like late, mid to late 2015, that I found a location here in Manhattan. Uh When I walked into this room, I was shocked. I could not believe how crowded the room was. It was in this like really cool loft in New York City. And I walked in thinking, how did all these people know about this? Yeah. Like this is happening in one of like the biggest cities in the world. Yeah. And I mentioned the meeting and no one I spoke to knew about it. But when I arrived, it was wall to wall people. And I thought, oh my God, this is like one of those need to know like yeah. kind of things. But I knew at that point, I had to be in the right place. And it was that day that I got my first three clients in cannabis that I realized then because I walked in thinking I needed to open a dispensary or cultivation. And someone said, no, you don't. And they asked me what I did. And I told them what I did. And they said, oh, wait, they took me by the hand. They introduced me (laughs) to one person who introduced me to another. And by the time I left that meeting, I had three clients. Yeah, great. I love that story because I love, it just proves the point of of how diverse the community is in terms of needs, in terms of skill sets, how I think effective it is as a community. I mean, one of the things I've loved about the cannabis community and the cannabis culture is it is a strong networking organization. Like people in the cannabis business know that they need to connect with other people that know the business in other domains and do referrals and make introductions. And it's growing so quickly that there's, there's just so much opportunity in here. Um, and having that kind of abundancy mindset is, is really, really powerful. So I, yeah, no, it's a valid point. Well, one of the reasons why, and this is what I learned early on is still, there was still stigma around it, even for those that were in the yeah. industry, 
right? And the only way to somewhat get business done was through referral, right? Yeah. Because unfortunately, it was still operating like the Wild West. So yeah. people valued that word of mouth, that referral experience. Also, there was no advertising, no one's marketing, no one can really truly market their services. So the networking circles were really important to many of us who were starting out in 2015, 2016, yeah. because that's really all we had. And most of the existing circles we were operating in were not familiar with, with cannabis mostly other than for recreational use, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. so but, but in terms of business, they weren't looking at it on the same landscape. Yeah, I think that's an important sort of dynamic of of the industry is that you have a lot of, I guess, places where most industry or most business folks would go to kind of network and get information and things like that. Oftentimes, those were actually specifically prohibiting the, you know, the cannabis industry for, for some very legitimate reasons, some not so legitimate. But, you know, it, it did. And it's still a way to some extent. Uh, although in Vegas, we had 27,000 people right. at MJ BizCon. So was, oh, I mean, yeah. but, but you think about that, though. Yeah. You think about MJ BizCon last year and the year before versus this year. And and so when I, you think about those earlier networking circles, they were smaller, but over like over a course of a year, they really started growing and yeah. they started getting bigger and bigger. And it, so it's the same thing with the industry versus mainstream. The more and more media started bringing attention to the industry is where the other industries are now saying, oh, maybe we need to start considering what this could look like for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm curious. Oh, you mentioned something a minute ago. You talked about the stigma around the industry and stuff. I'm always curious how, to what extent did you have challenges, issues with your kind of professional circles, colleagues, things like that, when you started to kind of come out as a cannabis, uh, pro-cannabis professional? Oh, my <laughs> um, gosh. Did, did that come up? I find that some people, it, it's a really big issue. Other people didn't. What, what was your experience? Absolutely, I did. So first and foremost, when I made the decision to jump fully in, because I was really on the sidelines from 2012 until 2015, I had the conversation with my family and I said, this is what I'm doing. And I wanted to be mindful of my daughter, although at the time in college, and it sounded cool, right? Yeah. Like, oh, my mom's in the weed industry and that's what she'd say, except she really didn't want to promote that either because yeah. then you don't want to be labeled or you don't want your parent to be labeled as a drug dealer, yeah. right? So I was very mindful about the comfortability of my family and respecting that I didn't want to put them in, in sort of compromising positions. But no matter what, I was still moving forward. Yep. Then when I talk about, let's say, my former colleagues, yeah. uh, especially those on Wall Street, that started hearing me talk about it a little bit more. And of course, I think the natural you know, reaction are, are the sort of jokes, right, people had. And we laugh about it, but I don't think at the time they realized how serious I was yeah. about it. And the more that I began talking about it, they said, oh, she's serious. And I felt a little bit of a distance there, but it was a distance of, I'm going to stand on the sidelines and just watch what she does. And what I can appreciate about former colleagues and friends is that anything I've ever done, whether if it's a win or a fail, they knew I was committed to it and I gave it a lot of thought, right? I, it wasn't just something I, I didn't haphazardly just jump into something because I thought it was fun. It was, I've done my research and I'm taking this seriously. And I think for those former colleagues of mine, 
I remember one coming to me from my former employer and I was very conscious because I knew that they were very selective about where their name appeared. And I knew that given my resume that the investment bank I worked for, that would come up. So instead of mentioning them in an article, I just said I worked for a financial services yeah. inst uh, institution. And the response was, why didn't you mention it to me? <laughs> and I thought, you wanted to be in this article? You wanted to be mentioned? And I was surprised because I thought, I figured you wouldn't want any association. Yeah. But that's when I realized, okay, you've watched enough. Yeah. You're watching. You're and you're less you're less concerned about the stigma around the, the industry versus where it's going. And I'd say the same for family and friends and either, you know, extended colleagues. They're now OK with it where they were a little apprehensive before. And I think also part of it is the natural reactions. People thought I was a consumer and I am, but not to the degree of what natural consumers are, yeah. are seeing, right? Yeah. So I'm a former cigarette smoker, so I'm anti-smoking pretty much overall, yeah. right? My smoking is my vice, and so I'm not gonna pick up a joint. Yeah. Now, that isn't to say that I haven't tried it a few times since being in the industry. Uh -huh. I'm not anti-smoking, it's just, it doesn't work for me. No, your, per your personal choice is not that, yeah. My personal choice, so my personal choices are CBD tinctures, yeah. I, I enjoy, um, more of like the savory edible, so like some teas with, with low THC. Yeah. I'm a huge product user of, of anything cannabis and CBD infused yeah. because of like my joint pains or something like that. So when I started explaining to colleagues that cannabis, the industry is more than these, you know, joints or, or bongs that they see. Yeah. They realized, oh, okay, now we get it. You're not part of the Cheech and Chong Club. <laughs> <laughs> Actually said, yeah, you know, it's fascinating because I think the you know at, at some level that's kind of the life of an early stage entrepreneur, right? You're you're always going to be kind of venturing out in a domain that either raises some eyebrows or people kind of question. Um, but you know, I think we're certainly moving into a phase in, in this industry where people are now, you know, I get calls from from friends who I never thought would call me and say, "So tell me more about this CBD stuff, and oh. what level should I?" Be? <laughs> like they're asking for advice. Tell me about it, right? All it is fascinating, yeah. and, and also I think that it's it's also kind of a marker, I think, for the industry that look, this is now moving towards this kind of more mainstream movement or, you know, consumer base. And, and now this gets quite complicated because it's now longer, no longer just the pot community. Like you've got, you know, you've got the soccer moms and you've got the, the retired population. You have, you know, professionals out like the marketing, the branding, the product development now has to get much more sophisticated as we move into these phases, which is good. I mean, it just, it opens up a lot of opportunity. So tell us a little bit about Women Grow in terms of what what the goal of that, the goal of the organization is, how it's set up right now. What are, what do things look like? What are your plans for 2019? I would love to hear a little bit about where things are going with Women Grow. Sure. So with Women Grow, and the reason why I loved it is, you know, they attract uh, professional women, right? So it's women at every level, whether you're an entrepreneur or someone who's looking to work at a cannabis company, uh, which is wonderful because we'd like to see more women in C-suite roles as well as on boards. Yep. And so your conversation with Jane West, I was so excited about that because she birthed a brilliant idea. Like what better than to get women together to network, to come together for education, to empower each other and uh, and really inspire us to push this industry and this entire movement forward. 
And, you know, from that idea, it really launched into markets across the country, as well as an annual leadership summit, which for the first time will be held on the East Coast. And and there's a reason why. I, I believe Jane even, may have even mentioned that we're holding it in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and that's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. And that says a lot about the direction of the industry overall. Yeah. So what we do is we have markets that are across the country led by our market leaders who are holding these monthly meetings. But in addition to the their monthly meetings, they're also holding smaller meetings uh, throughout the month whether through education, we've had job fairs. In New York, they've actually held a speed networking, which I thought was the most brilliant <laughs> thing. You had four minutes and 20 seconds to sort of <laughs> speed networking. Of course, because we're going to stay yes. within the, I love the it. whole I love theme it. of well it. Played. But it was wonderful because people were able to do this networking, 12 rounds of it. And they sort of walked away with business cards with people that they seriously wanted to follow up with, right? And so you know how it is when you go to these networking events and you're kind of in addition to that. We have uh, webinars. This week, actually, we're doing cannabis and boomers. So the baby boomer community is really coming forward in this industry from the medical side, but also from the professional side. Yeah. Cannabis is really unique. It's the first industry where boomers are not being aged out. They're actually being welcomed because of their professional experience. And I think that that's key because at this point, we're still really early on. You yeah. know, this industry is so maturing. We need all hands on deck. No one is too young or too old at this point to contribute to the growth of and development of this industry. And so we're, we're doing a webinar with MJ Freeway based on their recent report about the boomer community in cannabis. Yeah. And Florida, the boomer community is, is one of the top consumers of yeah. cannabis whether for recreational or medical. So these are the sort of forward-thinking educational platform that we're looking to grow out in 2019, as well as our monthly networking events and holding our leadership summit, which will be in Washington, D.C. this June. And again, it says a lot about what's happening on the East Coast because our leadership summit has been held in Denver for the last four years. Yep. So it says that really D.C., I think it's a special place, right? Yeah. It's the nation's capital, and we're going there to really have this conversation around the industry. So we're we're super excited about it. Yeah, no, that's exciting. I think it does. It, it really marks, I think, that the development, the expansion of the industry. I mean, not only to the East Coast, but I think at a at a federal level. I mean, I think it, this is fairly quickly becoming uh, a federal issue, or at least a federal level conversation. You know, figuring out how do we how do we really make this work. Uh, at a national level for the industry. And, you know, we're already global. It's kind of this funny inverted situation. We have all these developed states, this global industry, and we have nothing happening at the federal level. So at Absolutely. some point it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I was just agreeing. Yes. So I know you're in the New York area here. Any any thoughts? I know I know everything's moving very quickly. And depending on when the episode goes live here, everything may have changed dramatically. But based on what you see, here, what, any thoughts on what's happening in New York, New Jersey community in terms of, you know, legalization and stuff? 
Yeah, yeah. So another great question. So I'll touch on Women Grow and, and bring it back, and you'll see a full circle. So okay. Jane West launched Women Grow in Denver, Colorado. Our current leadership, our chairwoman is from Washington, D.C., our CEO based in New Jersey, and I'm in New York. And there's so much cannabis activity happening within those just from the District of Columbia to New Jersey to New York. Now, New York being the sort of financial capital of the, the U.S., yeah. you, I think pretty much everyone knew that our governor was not going to be outdone by New Jersey's governor pushing for adult yes. use. As well as, you know, it, we're in this tri-state area. So Connecticut is moving aggressively forward, looking to do full legalization this year. And so I believe from what we're hearing in New York is that they're looking you know, sometime around spring, summer, that this will happen. Yeah. We expected New Jersey to be fully uh, adult use, or at least would have passed by now. Yeah. But they're taking some time this first quarter. Yeah. Uh, but that says a lot about what's coming down the pike, especially in this early half of the year. Yeah. Pennsylvania, not too far behind them yeah. as well. So that's why, um, back to our leadership summit, it's so important that we are bringing it to the East Coast because for the longest time, they were only just talking about Massachusetts, right, in its program. But now we're beginning to see all of these other Northeast states that are saying, hey, don't forget about us. And to your point about federal uh, legalization, I think, you know, we're at, what, 33 medical states and 10 yeah. adult use. Yeah, I think those numbers are going to change significantly, uh, especially through this year into next year. So there's a lot of talk of uh, full legalization, especially. New York is very excited about it, and I understand why. Yeah. I find there are people who are looking to do a lot of business in this industry, in the city, and in the state. Yeah, yeah. No, exciting times. Exciting times for uh, for everyone involved. Yeah, this has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. Um, I've had a lot of fun. What If people want to find out more about you, about Women Grow, what's the best way to get more information? Sure. So for Women Grow, I absolutely say please find us and even sign up for our newsletter. Uh, you can find us at womengrow.com and follow us across all of our platforms on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on LinkedIn. Those are our great resources. And we also send out newsletters of what's going on. For me, I tend to be very active on social media because to your point where you have your former colleagues and family members that are asking questions yeah, yeah. and you want five minutes of your time and you know that turns into an hour, two hours of everyone wanting to get a piece of knowledge. I'm very active on social media for those purposes yeah. so i actually have from my great aunt that's great <laughs> believe it or not to my mind linkedin and on uh instagram and twitter reading about the articles that i'm posting and so you can find me on linkedin as gia marone or on twitter and instagram as gia that's a g-i-a underscore v-m and i really put that information out there because i do understand um how overwhelming it is like where do you begin and so i just share information hoping that it helps to further their education knowledge about it perfect i will make sure that all those links are in the show notes here so people can click through and and get to them. Jay, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm looking forward to keeping in touch and seeing how things go, both federally and in the tri-state area here. And, and we will keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bruce. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, 
Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.